Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken, our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content on these socials, you are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Today's episode is 130. Today's title is Real Talk About Depression. Did you know that there are many well-known risk factors for death, high cholesterol, smoking, obesity, and Christmas? Wait a minute, Christmas? That seems really crazy, but hey, several studies show that you have a greater chance of dying on Christmas, the day after Christmas or New Year's Day than any other single day of the year. In addition to more deaths on these holidays, depression rates rise around the holidays. It is a relatively common thing for people to struggle with depression during the busy season of Christmas. This can be due to a lot of factors. One reason might be the busyness of the season. It seems when people get busy, they become stressed and anxious because of all the things that they have to do and get done. Or maybe it's depression comes because of loneliness during this season. Sometimes it can be a very lonely time. There are many around us who do not have family to celebrate Christmas with. Or it could be the realization of the grief of a loved one who has passed away within the last year. But listen, regardless of the reason, many struggle with depression during the holidays. While this holiday is intended to be a joyful day that we celebrate our Savior, some women struggle through the season and struggle through depression. Today we're going to listen to a real, honest talk about depression. I think this particular episode is one that you might want to share with a friend who is struggling with depression. I think that you will find it to be a great help. Let's jump in as we listen to Wendy Folk share with us some real talk about depression and anxiety. Well, maybe you are in this breakout session today because you know the way that this psalmist feels. Or maybe somebody that you love is hurting this badly. In a world where um, hurt kind of comes at us from all directions, it might feel like the ultimate betrayal when that hurt comes from within. And whether you know Jesus or not, depression and anxiety can occur. According to the World Health Organization, 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression. 
with women being twice as likely than men to suffer. And anxiety disorders are the number one mental illness in the United States with 40 million people. Even with this kind of prevalence of depression and anxiety though, um, there are many people in, in, the, in our churches, including even our pastors, who are not willing to share that we're suffering. And many of our church leaders aren't equipped to help in that suffering. But there's nothing new under the sun. And depression and anxiety are not new problems. Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, these are all wise old saints who knew what it meant to suffer. They knew firsthand what it meant to despair. And there were many despairing souls in the Bible. Even Jesus himself, our king, our glorious king, was also a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He's been there. He sympathizes with us, with all of our weaknesses, as he was fully God and fully man as he lived here on earth. And Jesus was tempted in all the same ways that we are, and yet he did not sin. Now, I want to say at the outset, I want to make it very clear that suffering is not a sin. But that's not to say that sin might not be entangled within our suffering. Suffering can be from loss. It can be from physiological problems like uh, hormonal changes or uh, thyroid issues. Uh, suffering can happen from a side effect of medication that we're taking. Uh, it can even be from a schedule that has just become overwhelming for, for too long. And sometimes suffering happens when we are just completely at a point of breaking because we've been trying to do things in our own strength. But suffering may be the very tool that God uses in our lives to help us see our need for him and to become more and more dependent upon him. But sin that might be in the suffering can include things like complaining and being discontent or even angry or having an unbelief that God is good, or that he's even powerful enough to do anything in our suffering. But our king suffered, and we will suffer too, as we are shaped more and more into his image. And for some of us, that shaping includes depression and anxiety. But there is a real stigma among Christians regarding depression and anxiety. And I think this can really prevent us from getting true help. The stigma can lead people in our churches to think that they have to be happy all the time. And they may even not want to speak of their darkness for fear that people will think that they're not a Christian or that their faith is lacking. We live in a time when people expect, in fact, they even feel entitled to happiness. Our Declaration of Independence lists the pursuit of happiness as a fundamental right for Americans. And older generations who experience suffering oftentimes don't want that for the next generation. But suffering is present in our world and in us. And, um, and so the next generation and the next generations will indeed suffer. The best solution may be not to protect them from suffering, 
but rather to equip them in the suffering. So I want to begin by defining some terms. What is depression? What is anxiety? <coughs> and there are so many issues related to this that I can't begin to cover it in our time frame. And I wouldn't even want to because I am not a psychiatrist. However, I do want to speak um, in terms that I hope will be helpful. Um, and so generally speaking, depression can manifest itself from an extended uh, period of sadness all the way to completely being immobilized. There may be a lack of interest in things that used to be enjoyable for us. Maybe there's a change in sleep patterns. You're sleeping all the time or you're not able to sleep well at all. Um, oftentimes there can be a feeling of hopelessness in all areas of life. And it can be difficult to pay attention, to concentrate, and to make decisions. Now, anxiety can appear like um, chronic uh, worry, panic. We can even have obsessive thoughts. And there can even be physical symptoms with anxiety that can mimic heart attacks. These disorders may be brought on by something genetic, or they can be triggered um, and then later sustained by an outward change um, or a loss. So speaking to you on this topic is a bit daunting because all of our stories are unique and all of our stories are different. Um, my personal experiences with depression and anxiety, this is an emotional session, so I am just praying to kind of keep things <laughs> together here. My personal experiences have not been severe in the clinical sense, but they do tend to be chronic. But God has used these struggles to make me utterly dependent upon him. And so I'm going to share some of my story with you today. But in doing so, I hopefully will be pointing you to Jesus and not to myself. Because we can be tempted to compare our experiences. And so as I speak, you may think, well, she doesn't know what I'm going through because what she went through is not as hard as what I'm going through. Or maybe what I'm going through is making you think, wow, she has got some problems. <laughs> but we each have unique um, situations in this area, especially. But my hope is that regardless of how you or maybe a loved one is suffering, my goal today is to focus on what we all need most in the midst of depression and anxiety. And that is hope, if you didn't already tell. <laughs> in the psalm that I read a few moments ago, and in many other places in the Bible, sorrow and suffering is often visualized through drowning or feeling like you're engulfed by deep waves. Maybe you know this feeling. I know that I have felt this suffocation, this drowning. I've experienced a numbness and um, a spiraling that has felt out of control. And yet, in each of my experiences with depression or with anxiety, God has always given me a way out. And that way out has involved knowing and speaking the truth. And that is exactly what this psalmist did. His situation was horrible. And he spoke that to God. And yet, even as he spoke these miserable truths, he also spoke God's word, his truth. And he knew that hoping in God was the answer. He would hope in the God who he had once praised, and in faith, he would one day praise again. 
And why would he do that? For the help of God's presence, for his nearness. But hope is not some kind of abstract idea that is unattainable. In his word, God tells us how hope is, is acquired. And I'm going to drink some water right now. Romans 5, 1 through 5, tells us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. Hope comes through suffering, perseverance, and acquired character. It comes through the hard things. And yet, it does not disappoint. Hope is what we need most, and it is our answer to depression and anxiety. Hope, though, takes faith. <laughs> faith, as Cheryl was saying this morning, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and it is the assurance of what we do not yet see. When depression threatens us with despair, and with numbness, and when anxiety robs us of peace, when struggles <coughs> overwhelm us and we can't imagine a way out of this impossible situation that we're in, faith says, you don't see the answer, but you can have confidence <coughs> and assurance in the hope that God provides. So in order today for us to remember that hope is our answer, I wanna encourage you with some practical and biblical truths that you can take home and apply during times of despair. And I'm going to use the word hope as our acronym today. So H in our word hope stands for help. Now I wanna start off today by saying that if you or a loved one is in crisis mode, do not delay. Take care now. Any thoughts of suicide, any plans, any details, they must be taken seriously right now. It is better to do something like this and be mistaken than to be wrong. So H stands for help. For those of us who are not in crisis mode, I wanna fo focus on a few areas that I hope can be um, helpful in alleviating symptoms and also from reaching that emergency level. Perhaps the most helpful thing that we can do when we're struggling with depression or anxiety is to keep connected with other people. In the book, When the Darkness Will Not Lift by John Piper, Piper shares the account of John Newton and his friend William Cooper. Now you might know John Newton because he wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. His, um, he worked in a church in England where his friend William Cooper attended. 
Now, William Cooper had quite a traumatic life. He lost his mother at a young age. He endured horrific abuse in a boarding school and then later lost the love of his life. Cooper endured depression and suicidal thoughts almost all of his life. Now, Newton befriended him, and he would visit him often, and he would even include him in the ministry work that he did at church. But after some time, Newton left that church and moved to London, which was further away in order to work at another church. But even after he left, he kept in contact with Cooper. And he would, um, he would uh, write him and visit him sometimes. And he never gave up on this melancholy man. But um, sadly, Cooper was never uh, relieved of his despair. Even so, God gave him an incredible writing ability. And he wrote beautiful hymns. You may have heard one, um, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. We also learn in Cooper's writings that he was deeply comforted by the friendship love that Newton had extended to him over the years. And that was a real challenge to me as I ministered to women who are in need. Perhaps it will be an encouragement to you as you stand by a friend who is fighting for joy and peace and hope. Newton was described as one who did not despair of the despairing. Walking alongside others and building one another's uh, and bearing one another's burdens is important. Don't go into hiding, but rather keep in communication with others. Knowing that we are not alone will strengthen us when we are weakest. I've had several specific experiences with depression that have come after big changes in my life. In my earliest episodes, I kept what I felt were just horrible thoughts uh, to myself. I was afraid that even if I shared them with my husband, that he would think I was uh, a very awful person. And obviously, in my weakness, the enemy was accusing me and condemning me. Um, but it was, in fact, when I would share with my husband my depressed thoughts that I began feeling relief. When I thought that there was no hope, he spoke truth to me. And he reminded me of who God was. The enemy scattered away, and I was able to go forward in truth and in strength. Now, there are times when our loved ones don't know how to help us. And I know I've said the wrong words to my despairing friends. I've not been too different from Job's friends during his time of despair. And because I wasn't always sure of what to say or how to help, I would often minimize the sorrow, or I would just stay away. But if you are on the receiving end of a friend's well-meaning, but maybe not so helpful words, have grace and just be honest about your suffering. This will hopefully result in better communication and get you real help. But just remember that no friend's words can outdo Jesus's perfect calling to us. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, aside from staying connected with others, there are other means of help when we're dealing with times of anxiety and depression. <clears throat> Counseling that honors God's word can be very helpful. 
I know I've, re I've experienced the, the relief of expressing my own turmoil with a person who was objective and confidential. She didn't know me from outside of that counseling room, and I really didn't have to worry about what she thought about me. Her help during counseling filled me with truths from the Bible and helped to right my wrong thinking. Now, in addition to counseling, reading can help you understand what you're going through. And there are a lot of good resources out there. If you would like a few um, free brochures, come and see me at the end. Um, I also have some scripture writing plans and some little scripture cards that you are welcome to have too. In the bookstore, um, several of the books that I recommended that are on your book list did not arrive on time. And so Lifeway in Toledo, if you bring your conference folder with the book list, will give you 30% off the books on that list because of that. Um, but truly, the best reading that we can do is from the Word of God. And I'm going to expand on that more in just a moment. But having scripture nearby is so helpful. I have a friend who made me this cue ring. She put, this is what I take every time I fly. She, um, she put scriptures on this cue ring that I look at, I read, and I meditate on these, and I fill my mind with God's truth whenever I'm anxious. And this replaces the worst case scenarios that my mind wants to go to. There are also some alternative ideas that may be worth exploring for help. I've personally reached for some holistic techniques like to, um, to ease my anxiety and despair. Um, I try things like breathing techniques, massage, exercise, walking is great to ease anxiety, and I've even tried essential oils. And while some of you may not be into those things, I, I only offer them to you as, a, as an option because they can give some relief. Um, but we need to keep in mind that they are techniques given to us from God. He is the giver of these good things. And it can become all too easy for us to start singing the praises of these holistic helps rather than singing the praises of God. But I do have a word of warning. There are some holistic practices that actually put us on a path away from God. So we need to be very discerning and reject anything that is contrary to God's word or God's character. Now medication. Medication for any mental illness is a real hotbed issue for Christians. And I'm just gonna speak it plainly. Uh, many people are left suffering because they fear that taking medication may be a judgment on their faith or the lack of it. But this, and just a general stigma I think of uh, about psychotropic drugs, can unfortunately cause some people to linger in their suffering. Medication can alleviate suffering, and it is a compassionate thing to want to help others from suffering. But I do want to emphasize some wisdom. For those who are suffering from severe anxiety or depression, medication may, may give a relief, and that relief may come physically and mentally, and allow someone to return to more normal everyday functioning. But as Christians, we need to be mindful that trusting in Jesus is not separate from solutions like medication. And this is true for any health issue. As humans, we are tempted to give all the glory to the surgeon who cut out the cancer during the surgery, 
or to the medication that has taken away our depressed or anxious thoughts. Remember, hope is the answer to our depression and anxiety, and Christ is the ultimate hope in the midst of our suffering, not the meds or any other holistic methods that we might try. It is God who is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in our times of trouble. So H stands for help, and O, this was a long one, stands for out with the old and in with the new. Our words are powerful, and it can be easy to identify ourselves as a worrier or as a melancholy person. Our world is big on finding our identities through labels. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old have passed away, new things have come. Because the impossible is possible with God, we can have hope that God is doing a mighty work and he is changing us from our old nature into a new one. And this is something that's true even when we don't see evidence of that happening immediately. Ephesians 4 says, you were taught with, reg with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I have a young friend named Katie, and she has given me permission to share this story with you today. I bring up Katie because she um, is a young woman that I have seen struggle to do what this verse says. She was in my Bible study and Katie would uh, describe herself as a worrier, uh, talked frequently about how she worried and struggled with anxiety. Um, the talk of anxiety dominated her thoughts and her conversations. And when she shared in the study that nighttime was one of her most fearful times, I began to text her before bedtime in order to encourage her and to remind her of God's character. I wanted to help write her thinking that led her to believe that God wasn't with her in this situation and that he was not acting on her good and that he wasn't good. So I shared scripture truths um, to help her dwell on things that were true and praiseworthy and excellent. And finally, after some time, I finally just said, okay, you just have to stop saying the word worry or anxiety. Just, just stop. And so in her pursuit of holiness, she needed to just put off those destructive habits that kept her kind of wallowing in the mire. And instead, um, uh, she needed to put on new habits that would help her move forward. Now, Katie, uh, like myself, and maybe like many of you, is still in the fight today. And she is seeing beautiful victories, but anxiety can still sometimes raise, rear its ugly head. But Katie has a tender heart, and she knows that God is with her, powerfully changing her from her old nature into her new one. 
Now our old nature may respond naturally with worry, but as we are being conformed more and more into the image of Christ, our new nature will respond more as a vigilant warrior instead of a vigilant worrier. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, and be courageous, be strong. We need to do battle with these old ways, with these old tendencies that can try to rule us. As we battle, God faithfully changes us to be more like him in true righteousness and holiness. Now, the P in our acronym of HOPE stands for peace. God is the God of hope, and he fills us with all joy and peace. In the book of Romans, we read that as we trust in God, we will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peace is especially precious in times of despair and suffering and anxiety and fear. And this promised peace isn't like anything the world can give us either. Jesus promises us a peace that does not make sense in our circumstances. Our God of hope provides us with practical ways to be filled with peace. Philippians 4, 7 through 8 may be a familiar verse to many of you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As we put off anxiety, we must put on prayer. Prayer brings peace. Praying causes us to take all of our fears and all of our despairing thoughts to God himself, the one who can actually do something about these sufferings. And prayer involves thankfulness. It's hard to dwell on anxious thoughts or discouraging thoughts when instead you're practicing thankfulness. But I believe that we need to be trained in thankfulness. If you have children, we know that hearing thank you and, and seeing gratitude in them does not come naturally, right? We have to train them to say thank you. Well, I wonder if perhaps our manners have begun to slip. Maybe we're grumbling more than thanking God. Have I been giving God thanks in everything? Of course, my flesh needs to be trained to give thanks, especially in trials or suffering. And while this may be difficult, and I believe that all training is difficult, this is God's will for us, to give thanks in everything. During, uh, <laughs> here we go, I shouldn't have looked ahead, right? During a particular hardship, I knew to do nothing but just cry out to the Lord. And each day I would go walking and just pray and cry out to him. But as time continued, as I did this, I began experiencing an amazing joy of God being with me. I knew he was near to me. And I realized that had it not been for this struggle, that I would not have known the closeness of God like this. God really is near to the brokenhearted. He makes it possible 
to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And I have truly begun to understand what God means when he says to give thanks in everything. Now peace flows out of praying, and peace also flows out of praising. God is enthroned on the praises of his people. No matter our circumstances, we can praise God. I have a friend who purposed to praise God daily as her young daughter was dying of cancer. But just as thankfulness doesn't come naturally, I don't think praise does either. But as we train ourselves to give thanks and to give God praise, he will give us hope and peace. Now, peace comes from reading God's word, too. And reading the Bible has been a very important way for me to know God's voice in the midst of my suffering. Now, I've had um, several episodes, as I've said, with depression over the years, um, and most of them have been related to uh, a move or some, some kind of big change. But a couple years ago, I had a time that um, hit me from out of the blue, and not to be trite, but it really did feel like a dark cloud just kind of parked over me, and I didn't know why. And so I tried everything that I could do to get rid of this despair. Um, I felt like my joy had just been removed, and um, I felt numb. And when you're working with women in ministry, you need to have some compassion, and I had nothing. I had nothing left to give them. I didn't even want to talk to them because I had, I felt nothing. And along with just trying to ease my despair, I just dove into the Word of God. And I was especially spending a lot of time in the Psalms. But as I did this, I was learning God's voice. <coughs> and one day, um, I was in the car by myself, and um, I was pretty weary by this time. And I remember a voice coming to my mind and just saying, just come to me. I'm going to give you rest. Just nestle in, and it'll all be over. But I knew that that voice was a dark voice. And as much as I wanted to just give up and give in, I yelled out in my car that day, no, it is the Lord to whom I will run to and I will be safe. Now, the miracle didn't happen immediately, but a couple days later, I was in my kitchen and I was making dinner and my, my daughter was at the island behind me. And I had praise music going and I just, you know, still felt like that darkness, that numbness was over me. But God did lift it that day, at that moment actually. And I remember turning around and looking at my daughter and just having joy once again. And so I'm thankful for that time. I'm thankful that that's how God happened to remove uh, the darkness uh, for me that time. I knew his voice. And if you aren't already devouring the Psalms, I encourage you to do so, so that you too can learn God's voice. And the book of Psalms will remind you that you are not alone in your depression and anxiety. Did you know that two-thirds of that book is written in the minor key? Charles Spurgeon, one of those wise old saints that I talked about earlier, he's been quoted to say, the worst forms of depression 
are cured when Holy Scripture is believed. I hope that you will be encouraged and filled with a peace that passes all understanding as you dwell on the truth that God is always with us. What hope we know, what hope we have in knowing that our God is the God who sees. He sees us. And as God's eyes are upon us, may our eyes be looking to him. The E in our HOPE acronym stands for Eyes on Jesus. Listen to the words of the psalmist again. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. When I hear that, it reminds me of what Cheryl talked about this morning when Peter was walking on the water to Jesus in the midst of that crazy storm. When Peter trusted Jesus, when his, he trusted Jesus and he was able to walk on the water when his eyes were fixed on Jesus. But when he would stop trusting and take his eyes off of Jesus and look around at that crazy storm, then he would begin to waver and sink. Our actions and our words will reflect where our eyes are. If I'm responding in fear, if my thoughts are all riddled with those worst case scenarios, or if I'm thinking that this hardship that I'm going through is never going to get better, it's just impossible, then I know that my eyes are on my circumstances or on myself. In our times of worry and despair, Jesus calls to us just like he called to Peter. And it is in Jesus' power that we can stand firm while there is a mighty storm all around us or even all within us. Isaiah 41.10, also the scripture verse that Cheryl had mentioned today. I'm familiar with the version that she used, but I am not familiar with the NASB. And I want to I read that one because I think it is particularly um, relevant to us here in this session. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Keeping my eyes on Jesus is not easy for me, and it may not be easy for you either. I often need to ask my husband and my friends for help in doing this. I remember one low point um, in my life, I, I looked at my husband and I told him that I just could not go on any longer. Now, in his engineering mind, he looked at me and he said, well, what other option do you have? And somehow God just used that to shake my wrong thinking loose that day. I've also had friends who have challenged me to believe God at his word when I am tempted to fear and think that the enemy is going to win. Don't hesitate to ask for help in writing any wrong thinking that you may have and in redirecting your eyes back on Jesus. You know, even in our worst case scenarios, keeping our eyes on Jesus will remind us that he's with us and that he's doing a work in us and through all of our hardships. 
In the book of Acts is an amazing story of a disciple named Stephen. He was faithful to God, and he was bold in speaking God's truth. In fact, he was so bold that he made a lot of people really mad. And those hard-hearted listeners picked up stones and began to stone him. They were killing him. And yet, even as Stephen was being stoned, he kept his eyes on the risen Jesus. And I just want to say as a side note, that as Stephen was looking at Jesus, Jesus was looking back at Stephen. Remember, he is the God who sees. Instead of looking at those stones, Stephen was looking at Jesus. And focusing on Jesus allowed Stephen to say of his murderers, Lord, do not charge them in this sin. Jesus' glory obliterates our present circumstances that are overwhelming us. So keep your eyes on his glory because Jesus gives us hope. Having a right understanding of God is a must in our troubles. God welcomes us into his throne room with all of our grief and with our deepest needs. We can cry out to him with our questions and with our sadness and with our fears. But we must be mindful that we do not question God's character or doubt his goodness. He is a perfect father, and he is working out his perfect plans for our good. So instead of blaming God or doubting that he is really there, may we stand in faith with a confidence in what we hope for and an assurance in what we do not yet see. Even in those melancholy laments of the Psalms, do you know what refrain we hear over and over again? The Lord is good. God is near. He is with us. God is a lifter of our heads. God is our strength and our refuge. Run to him. He is your strong tower. God is sovereign and he is in control of everything. And God is a perfect father who loves his children. Remember these truths about God and more. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Hope. H-O-P-E. Hope. That is all we need. We all need to have hope. And our hope only comes through Jesus Christ. And that was the acronym that Wendy used to help us remember what to do with anxiety and depression. And I loved it. Let's review for a minute. H is help. Seek help from your church, pastor, a trusted friend, or even a doctor. It's okay to get help. I still remember a time when I was struggling with postpartum depression. And my husband encouraged me to tell the women in my Bible study that I was struggling. It felt so good to share with them, and I found out so many of them were struggling at different times in their life with depression, too. They were a great source of help to me. O is out with the old and in with the new. Get rid of all those old thoughts. Use scripture to help you. P is peace in Christ. To put off anxiety, we have to put on prayer. Let's do that. Let's be in prayer as we struggle through this depression moments. E 
is eyes on Jesus. I think the best ways to keep our eyes on Jesus is to keep attending church on Sunday morning and a women's Bible study. Read and, or listen to the Bible on a consistent basis. Maybe even pick one verse and meditate on it. Hey, here is an entire passage that I just love. And there are plenty of nuggets of truth in this passage to meditate on. And we're going to end with this today. Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whomever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. Not one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. My favorite verse in this section is verse 18. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I love that this passage acknowledges that sometimes we are brokenhearted and sometimes we are crushed in spirit. But did you see what happens in verse 19? It says the Lord, it says the righteous will have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from all. What a great encouragement today to end with. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this particular lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this particular lesson on how we can walk through dark days of depression. And I just pray right now that anyone who is listening, who is struggling with depression and anxiety, that you will come near to them, Lord, that you will be near to them who are brokenhearted and that they will trust in you and they will turn to you in the middle of this trial. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so next week we are getting geared up for Christmas. We are getting ready for all the fun that comes with this particular holiday. So next week we are going to spend our entire episode talking about famous Christmas carols. We're going to talk about some history, which I love, and how we can use these Christmas carols in our worship of God. Or maybe we should ask, can we? Is it okay to use Christmas carols to worship God? Well, we're going to find out next week on the next episode. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.